another episode of Citing the Tone, the ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV and medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 3, which is titled Friendly Fire. The episode aired on October 9th, 1997. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? The New York Rangers become the first NHL team ever to open the season with four straight tie games. That seems statistically unlikely to me. That's why it's the first. They were the first <laughs> ones to ever do it. That's nuts. A maglev train in Japan breaks the world speed record for train travel at 280 miles per hour. The current record stands at 375 miles per hour, also by a Japanese train. Can the Japanese give us their trains? Uh, we need their infrastructure first. <laughs> Please. Our, their trains will just die on our tracks right now. We got to fix some other stuff first. In fact, that's how they work. Oh, Jesus. Um... Kiss the Girls, starring Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd, debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. And Four Seasons of Loneliness by Boys to Men sits atop the music charts for its first and only week. The return. Just when you thought they were but dead. Oh, we're going to get sick of the next song. I guarantee oh, you. Oh boy. I'm trying to think. It's, I... it's, it's, a, it, it's on there for a while. I cannot wait to find out what it is next week. It's, it's Daniel, what else was... Oh. It's 1997. Is it, does it have to, anything to do with Titanic? Uh, no, but, uh, we talked about over the summer, is it a, fam Bob? a famous monarch died. Oh, no. Wind Beneath My Wings. Oh, no. What? Is it Wind Beneath no, My Wings? No, it's, um, John? Candle in the Wind. Yeah, Candle yep. in the Wind, yeah. Oh. It's gonna be our number one for quite some time, folks, so buckle in. Hope you like Elton John. Oh, boy. All right. Well, I do, in fact. <laughs> Hi, oh boy. All right. So for what else was on that evening at 8 p.m.? We got a good one uh, for you, Lauren, coming at 9 p.m. Just a uh, heads up. Uh, at 8 p.m., friends checked in with the one with the cuffs. At 8.30, uh, Union Square had Enjoy Your Haddock. At 9 p.m., we had Seinfeld checking in with Lauren. Serenity Now! <laughs> the Serenity Now, yes. At 9.30, Veronica's Closet had the episode Veronica's Husband Won't Leave. I, I need you to know I went back and watched the Summer of George episode recently just because we kept um, referencing it on the show. Yeah. It's like, I just had to go back and just live it. What's uh what's the funny hook in this one? That screaming that. That's like, that's one of those things that just got memed so much. Yeah. I don't remember the rest of the premise for the episode, but they're just screaming, Serenity now! Yeah, it's it's pretty much I'll, like I'll a, to... an A-tier, like Seinfeld meme. Like, it's, it's, it's transcended yeah. almost the show itself. Uh, I'll... <laughs> I'll show you the episode. Now I just want to listen to the Ocarina of Time theme in Seinfeld music style. That's also great. Okay. I also... Yeah. Yeah, have you not heard that, Daniel? No. I, I feel like oh, it, we're that's gonna... an intersection of a lot of my interests. I feel like we need I'll to... I'll send it to you in the group chat. Yeah, we I'm need to... I'm doing it right now. That. So uh, getting into this week's episode, we have 32.1 million viewers tuning in, down just a couple hundred thousand from last week. This week's episode is directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala, doing his fifth out of 12 episodes. Previous ones of his that we've talked about, really the only one that you need to really pay attention to is the one from last season, the much uh, celebrated Who's Happy Now from last season he directed. This week's episode is written by Waylon Green, a new writer doing his first of five episodes through the year 2000. He wrote the movie The Wild Bunch and was a producer on NYPD Blue and Law and & Order. All right, cool. Um, previously on ER is brought in by Carter, and then we start with Carol and Doug are driving, and they stop at the L. Um, Carol jumps out of Doug's car to hop on the L because they need to maintain their secret romance, so why would Doug be driving Carol to work? 
So we find out that they're, in fact, apparently still a secret at the office. Yeah, I don't know why they make such a, such a concerted effort to maintain. I mean, haven't they dated before? Like, what's, what's Maybe the that's big why. Secret? I guess. Maybe a lot of people might still blame Doug for what happened with her Maybe. At, in our that pilot episode. Could be. Could be. Uh, but after that, let's get a let's get a little stat a weird status update on young baby Reese from everyone's favorite Dr. Tavish. He continues to gain weight at a very good rate, and he's spending more time awake. What about his lungs? We've weaned him down to a quarter liter. So when can he come home? I'd say a week or less. Oh, you hear that, Bunkett? Mm-hmm. You're gonna come home in a week? Are you sure that's not premature? I'm concerned about his immune system. Frankly, I think there's more risk of nosocomial infection here. Should he be circumcised before he comes home? That's what my mother told me. Dr. Tabish and I discussed it, and we decided against it. Well, isn't it healthier? Some studies seem to indicate that circumcision protects against UTIs and may reduce the risk of cancer. Yeah, I don't find those studies conclusive. I'll just teach him proper hygiene. Peter, I don't want to take any risk. Uh, Dr. Tabish, what about immunization? After discharge with OPV, he could shed virus, and I don't want to put the immunosuppressed children here at risk. Now, I've got a back to me. Peter, are we going to talk about the circumcision? Honey, he doesn't need one. Hope you're ready to talk about wieners, gang. Uh, uh, it's the penis episode it, here it, on Saying really the Tone is, in ER Retrospective. It really is the junk episode. I'm sorry, listeners. We're going to have a lot to say about a lot of this, and I apologize. Astoundingly, this is not the only penis we're going to talk about this episode. No, no, no. We're going to cover all the aspects of respective panacea across this episode. Like We're going to get into every every uncomfortable category. Promise. Yeah. For the record, I'm firmly on Team Benton. In this scenario, I'm drawing that line in the sand right now. I didn't know we were drawing lines. I didn't like. Uh, I I didn't have, have any strong opinions one way or the other. Like it's just. I I guess I'd never had to think about it too much before. It's just that that decision kind of gets made for you when you're Reese's age, you know. Like. And it shouldn't be. Uh, that's sorry. my decision. That's sorry. my opinion. On, that's my big opinion on it. I certainly don't want to make that decision I'd... after I'm Reese's age. Thank God. <laughs> I I don't have a horse in this race, so. <sighs> this is gonna be a long one <laughs> <laughs> so we go from there to mark and doug talking in the lounge and uh doug comments that mark isn't wearing scrubs to work anymore uh which i take to to in my head canon i think this is how they are signifying like dark side mark like we're not gonna see him in scrubs until he's like rehabbed until he's feeling well, better well i don't know i don't recall and this might just be me totally like not remembering things because that's what i do best on this show but i don't remember seeing him in scrubs that often before yeah he really did because he was always a khaki beltless motherfucker yeah he would wear he would wear at least a lab coat like definitely this season he has been very um sloppy yeah he's been very casual this whole season um except for the the first episode where he was in shirt and tie uh but still no still no lab coat but yeah he would wear scrubs periodically like it was he did it a lot more in season one i recall like early on in season one before the beltless motherfucker incident right he would uh, well do i a guess lot of scrubs then i guess it's more like i don't recall him doing it to the point where it would be something that doug would comment on him not doing it the fact that they comment on it makes me think that it is a, a purposeful choice by the writing staff to have him appear not in scrubs or not in a lab coat like they're clearly trying to drive home some kind of point about his mental status through his wardrobe choices like he's dressing down more often he's expressing less interest in his job overall 
So I, th- I feel like that's a purposeful choice and Doug commenting on it here only serves to add to that. But um, Now, this is the minutia I like talking about. <laughs> let's stick on this. Yeah, let's stick on this. Let's, let's stay in this... Uh, Let's stay in this unpenisy area for as long as we possibly can. Uh, but Lydia comes in, drops off a chart for Mark uh, for explosive diarrhea in curtain three. And uh, he tries to pawn it off first on Weaver, who Lydia quickly informs him isn't in yet. And then he says, just see if Delamico can take it. Then proceeds to sit down and watch TV in the lounge, a charming episode of Jerry Springer. And I just found it weird, like, that Lydia just brought the chart in for him. Like, why not wait until he's all settled in and has come out to the desk? Maybe because it's emergent. <laughs> Explo- like, she just, did say explosive just diarrhea. Just yeah. odd to me that it was so important that she wouldn't find another doctor and would instead just bring it to Mark in the lounge. Just strange. I don't know. Maybe she figures he just got there so he doesn't have any patients yet. Maybe. Get him to take care of it right away. He is the attending, after all. Uh, but she's also, but she is wrong because Carrie is in. She's just upstairs talking with Ansbaugh. Let's listen to their conversation. The decision to appoint you acting chief of emergency services did not come simply because Dr. Morgenstern recommended you. Of course. In fact, many feel Dr. Morgenstern's approach to management is not something we wish to see perpetuated. With all due respect to Dr. Morgenstern, I'd have to agree. I know we're way beyond our projected budget. 1.7 million over last year. We are in a crisis situation. And that's why I've drafted this. It outlines measures that have applied now would put us back on budget within six months. So much waste is simply due to lax administration. Well, you've never struck me as lax, Carrie. And this job is not about winning popularity contests. That's never been my goal, Donald. Just done. There will, of course, be a reevaluation of the situation when Dr. Morgan Stern recovers. But I'm confident that you'll make things work. Thank you for your trust. It begins in 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 earnest. It begins. It began a little bit last episode, but here we go. Carrie Weaver, administrator. And again, I want to note, we've noted this before with other female characters, but they really kind of give her some very harsh lines with the way her hair is styled and the makeup they choose, Mm -hmm. like compared to how we've seen her before. And then after she leaves, she does a little like she goes out in the hall, looks around, makes sure nobody's watching and just does a little yes with her cane in the air. And it's very cute. And then we're in with some bangs. Everything's coming up, Weaver. Everything's coming up, Carrie. After we come out of the intro, uh... Everyone's favorite, Cynthia Hooper, shows up for work. Yay! And she's going to be reporting to Jerry. (laughs) Yay! Uh, Yes, he will be training her, for better or worse. (laughs) And he introduces Cynthia as his new assistant. And Carol didn't realize that Mark had hired her. Awkward. And then we find out Carrie is right away instituting new policy no more cherry-picking charts. Um, she also is giving Halle a stack of procedures to pass out to the nurses by end of day. So she came into this day ready and prepared to lead the charge. Halle looks thrilled to have this job, by the way. Mm. Got, gotta love it when a new manager fucks everything up <laughs> instantly. But, but she's already done this once with like some of the other stuff she did when... She was working with Mark. Like, oh, but now she has now, the power. I was say now she is not Mark's colleague. She is Mark's superior. Yeah, which is so such a weird leapfrog to me. But okay, yeah. I mean, it's not like Mark was lobbying for that job. That's for sure. 
but still but now it's now the power dynamic has shifted oh yeah for sure uh we go out of there uh we see carol hopping into the lounge to give mark some shit about hiring cynthia he is still sitting there watching jerry springer and he kind of brushes her off and is like don't worry she'll be great i kind of think she's cute so it's fine i whatever i'm a dude with bad impulse control right now like it's fine we're gonna fuck eventually it's fine um then we go into oh this is the best relationship choice of the episode carla stops by to talk to dr delamico because she wants to ask about reese's circumcision since she trusts dr delamico and anna was there at the birth and she asks you know anna's opinion and anna says it would be her medical preference and recommendation and also low-key says you know, it's better for hygiene, and I like how it looks more. <laughs> so let's just dunk on uncircumcised dudes here. Weird, unsolicited opinions. Yeah, like, no, you don't know her well enough to be like, this is how I like penises to look for me. Yeah, we get ta- a lot of weird, we're talking about an weird infant. justifications. Yes. Anna's not. Yeah. She ain't talking about betting either. That's we know that for sure now, Ugh. as of this episode. <sighs> That's the other thing. I just want to bring up, it... I'm shocked that it takes Carla this much by surprise that Benton is against this, given that she's slept with Benton. She knows what he's working with. Like, maybe she would have thought. I guess. He has a preference oh, otherwise. Well, we'll get into that a little bit. I know. Later. I'm just I'm just laying the groundwork there. Please, what happens next, Lizzie? <laughs> uh, well, Carter jumps in on a trauma. We have a 41-year-old 40, male. There's actually no one else on this trauma for once. Yeah. Okay. Unlike last episode. <laughs> Uh, there, we have a 41-year-old male motorcycle versus truck. Carter shouldn't really be running this without a higher-level doctor in the room, right? Maybe? I don't think so. I mean, that's kind of the hierarchy they've established this season, that Carter is the low man yeah. on the totem pole once again. Yeah. That he's in, intern, intern boy. Like, they would have never let episode, like season two ep- Carter oh, do this yeah. by himself. Certainly or been not season, season one two, Carter. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, like, formally, he should not be in there by himself. Yeah. Um, there's track marks all over the patient. It's tough to get an IV stick. And uh, Carter's going to go try to do, he's going to go attempt a central line. Uh, when Doyle comes in, technically Carter's superior, and kicks kicks him out to go and make makes him go uh, do sutures. Because he still can't find Henry. He's, been, he's really pissed off about Henry not being around for one of his four appearances in the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, yeah, is is he in this episode at all? Now that I nope, think about nope. it? Yeah, no, he doesn't. He, he's nope. talked about a he, lot. He's in the lab, and then he goes to the sperm, the, the sperm fishery. <laughs> it's the penis episode. You got to get it in there. Got, well, I'm, I, sperm was part of what I was saying. He's he's in the lab, and then he goes to the salmon fishery for sperm for mm. his studies. So just really phallocentric, this whole episode, guys. I can't get away from dicks. Um but then Al and his workers come into the ER because one of them was injured on the job. And we find, and we see Al's got some blood on him and this other guy has some blood on him. Not great. This, this leads to bad news. We'll see where this goes. Um, and Carrie notices that the, like the medicine room, their like internal pharmacy closet that they have needs desperate organization. And she tells Doug to write a prescription for prednisone because they can't keep giving away their supply because she sees he's just rating it for seven to give to a patient. And she's like, this is this is what puts us over budget, Doug. You can't do this. And then she finds out or then she points out rather that 
the ER is paying for Doug's fellowship and not pediatrics. He was like, yeah, that was a that was what the decision was. Like, yeah, that was what was worked out between Nanspa and the head peds guy. Yep. And like, you get my services completely. That's or was that the Morgan exchange. Stern? Sorry. I, I think it was it's one of them. Morgan Stern. Yeah. But yeah. administration and peds worked out that he would work in the ER exclusively. And so the ER would pay his fellowship. And Carrie goes, well, okay, in that case, you know, can you get me a copy of your research proposal so I can see what you're working on for us? Like, how's how's your research going? What We're, we're footing your fellowship. Let's see what you're doing. Uh, About that. Yeah, because that's something we've ever heard Doug work on ever. <laughs> and you can tell by the look on his face, too. Like, he hasn't done any of that shit. Like, he hasn't. No, he hasn't thought about it. Oh, uh, but... yes. Another another storyline that will eventually force Doug out of the show. I was going to say, I, I like that we're, we're finally getting, you know, the the early kind of glimpses of Doug V Carey, which becomes kind of a central source of conflict over the next season and a half. Like that pretty much the rest of Clooney's time on the show. Like I would say his, his uh, chief antagonist is probably Carrie. So mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that it took us this long to get here. I really thought that this happened a lot sooner. Like I thought they would have more, they would butt heads. I think they did it very, very early after she joined, like very early in mm-hmm. season two, they had a brief dust up over like a curbside console. Uh, but that's it. Like it's, they pretty much have not crossed paths since. So in- very excited to see that's one of my favorite dynamics on the show. Uh, but we go from there. We see Carter uh, walking down the hallway, still calling for Henry. Can't get a hold of him. Uh, at 1029, I noted uh, Carter's on a cell phone talking or trying to, to talk to Henry, trying to call Henry. And I wondered, is this the first appearance of a cell phone on the show outside of that one patient we had early in season one that had the like brick cell phone that like they did the whole thing about like cell phones are scary and disrupt medical yeah, instruments. Yeah, with the electrical equipment yeah, and like, made like... Is this like the person's pacemaker go? Whoa! Yeah, uh, yeah. I think this is. I think this is the first like regular use of a cell yeah. phone that we've seen where it's not like a bit. Yeah, it's interesting to note kind of how the technology is going to be changing as we go through the the run of the show, but I think this might be it. Uh, he complains to Green that Doyle kicked him out of that procedure earlier, and uh, and Green tells him that the suture room is the intern's place unless you can get your med student to carry the load. So unless he can find pull Henry away from sperm duty, he's uh, going to be shit out of luck. Uh, Delamico comes up at uh, at the end of the scene, tells Carter to be careful with his phone. He's like, "Oh, I don't, I don't use it around patients." So we're still doing the like cell phone hysteria thing of like, "Oh, they'll give you cancer or whatever." And he's like, "Oh, I don't use it around patients." She's like, "No, you should be careful because they're so ex- like you can run up a bill very easily." So also early cell phone memories, like, "Don't call me till oh. after nine. Like, don't text me because uh. I get charged both ways." <laughs> Uh, then we go over. We see Jeannie cleaning up out, uh, cleaning up the blood on Al, and uh, we learn that the during the incident he landed on his coworker and bled all over him. And you can see the horror and just despair all over Jeannie's face. And uh, oh boy, yeah. And uh, capitalism is great, guys. Right? <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because Carol's working on a guy who had to. Also at the construction site that Al works at, uh, who had to grab a metal cable to stop it and ripped his hands up really bad. First off, ow. Mm. Second off, ow. Mm. Third off, nope. And this guy, uh, he's had a recent tetanus shot, so he's good there. But uh, the guy's boss comes in and asked the guy not to put it on work, uh, put put it on workman's comp. And he was like, "Oh no, I'll take care of you. Don't put it on." Yeah, don't 
don't file for workman's comp. Don't do this. I'll take care of you. I'll cover your salary for the missed time. Carol says, you know, Carol, sticking up for the patient and for hashtag workers' rights, um, says that if the guy doesn't go on workman's comp, he can't qualify for disability if, is it, if his hands are just, like, perma-fucked and he can't work in construction anymore. <sighs> so, and this and this dude is not happy about it. The, nope. the, the boss isn't. Shady. Capitalism is fantastic mm. uh, our patient here the burned hands guy or, or rip i don't know where they, they were burned ripped but ripped yeah shredded it would have been like friction burns yeah. yeah from the the patient here is played by actor daniel quinn who appeared in stuff like dead bang motorama and wild at heart and unfortunately he passed away in 2015 he's one of two oh. actors in this episode who died surprisingly young but we'll get to the other one a little bit later hmm hmm Right. Um, and then we have Anna asks Carter to take a case for her after Carter being so upset all day that he hasn't been able to do anything. Yeah. And while he's in the suture, he she comes to get him out of the suture room. And he's dressing a wound. And as he's leaving the room, he tells uh, the med student that we met last episode, Chastity, the non-Henry part of the equation. Uh, he tells her, uh, hey, can you dress that wound for me? Takes off his gloves and walks out the door. And that is the last we see of med student Chastity Lee. She joins Dr. Hicks in the great bob, great bobbing in the sky. In the arms of the angels. What, three three episodes in and we've already got two two bobs? Yeah. One high profile. One, one. not. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the patient is a 27-year-old woman with altered consciousness. Her name is Christy. Um, husband could not wake her up in the morning. And whose films are those? Feels so good to be back, gang. Feels so good. Whose films are those? This woman just got here. Um, she, but what worries Carter is that she has no doll's eye response when he, um, like, holds her eyes open and tilts her head. The eyes are supposed to track, like, kind of like a magic eight ball. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to stay pointing up relative. They don't. And as he's doing this test and realizes it, the ominous music underlying this part is so good. Just immediately tells you something is not right. And Carter's like, uh, yeah, go go sit in chairs. We got to run some more tests. We'll let you know. It's fine. It's fine. She's fine. Mm. But we got to run more tests. Please sit in those chairs. Like, he's trying so hard not to panic until he can get somebody else to look at this woman. He is the living embodiment of the this is fine. <laughs> this is fine. Dog meme right now. <laughs> Like, he knows something's messed up. So, yeah. So, a couple of things here. Uh, make note, uh, like Lauren, uh, keep in your mind, uh, like Lauren mentioned, this is a 27-year-old woman that becomes very important, like, well, not very important, but it becomes minimally important uh, in a few scenes from now. So, just keep that in the back of your mind. 27-year-old woman patient here. Uh, the other thing here is that her husband is played by actor Tim Quill, who appeared in stuff like Hamburger Hill, Argo and the TV series Jag, and he is our other half of the Died Too Young equation, passed away in 2017. Oh. Yeah. Uh, as we go up from here, up to the NICU, where uh, Benton is looking for Reese, they tell him that he's in the procedure room, and he walks in mid-circumcision <laughs> and tries to get Delamico to stop, and uh, she's like, well, you don't want me to do it halfway, do you? Fair point. Uh, only thing worse, only thing worse than a circumcision is half of a circumcision. Uh, and Benton is incredulous and is like, who gave what, what right do you have to do this? My child, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, look, look, bro, this is not between you and I, this is between you and Carla. The mother told me to do this. 
my name's Paul. This between y'all, like she, <laughs> she's like, don't come at me with this. Talk to your woman. So, yikes. God damn it, Carl. Uh, but uh, after that, Carter and Mark are looking at Christie's uh, head scans. The twenty-seven-year-old woman, and Mark is giving her a physical review, and she and <sighs> thinks she's just brain dead. He's so and shitty. He's here. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so callous and uncaring. It's like, oh, make sure you talk to him about organ donation. Just says it super cold as he walks off. Couldn't care yeah. less. And uh, Carol goes in to check on the guy who ripped up his hands with a cable, and she finds a smoked joint on his personal belongings as they go to move him. Oops. Oopsies. And then Cynthia and Jerry are talking about what happened in the interview, and she's like, oh, yeah, I was a mess. I cried. And as she says that Jerry and Hale look at each other and Mark was like standing right there as she said it. And Jerry looks at him like totally knowingly. It's like, oh, dude, you're so full of shit. Um, but then water polo lady is back again. And I still don't want to bother trying to remember her name because I know she'll be gone again in like an episode, if not here. This, I think this is it. Yeah, I think she's gone by the end of this episode. She's still trying to organize a date with Mark. Um, and he's bailing on the event tonight. And she's like, well, is it no as in not tonight or no as in never? So out of nowhere, this woman who he was dating two other women at the same time is super thirsty to get back together with him. We have like no, no rhyme or reason for this. Um, great. Cool. Okay, we'll see where that goes. But then the next trauma comes in and a gentleman has shot himself in the leg and they, they're getting out of their truck, and um, this woman hauls a duffel bag full of their guns into the damn ER. And is like, we can't leave the stash in the car. It's too valuable. Because they were headed to a gun show in Lansing. Shout out, my hometown. Real great. <laughs> that tracks. Hey, so, yeah, they're, they're a very fun couple. Fun, I say fun in the most aggressive of air quotes. Um, the husband we, we don't really see again. Correct me if I'm wrong. He goes off into the trauma room and is like, basically it just does the like, he grabs the wife by the collar and is like, don't let him take the leg, Glenda. And yeah. then rolls off and is never seen again. Uh, but Glenda, the wife, we do see for a few more scenes. Uh, she's played by actress Connie Ray, who appeared in stuff like The Time Machine, Idle Hands, Stuart Little, and Speed 2 Cruise Control, which was a number one hit movie the previous summer. We talked about this on the first episode of the season. Holy shit, why was Speed 2 number one for even a second? That movie is garbage. It's not as awful. It's it's awful, but it's not as awful as his reputation would, would suggest. Hey, I watched yes, that. Yes, you did. You did. Last year. You dove on that I grenade. I watched that last year. You dove on that grenade. Yeah. So what happens next? Uh, Carla and Benton are talking about Reese and uh, who says this? Carla says, I'm not going to be left out. We have to share. Like, we have to actually, like, talk about medical decisions and everything. And because she feels like Benton's kind of pushing her out of a lot of the choices. Yeah, and, Benton's, and Benton says, what happened to that boy's penis should have been up to me. <laughs> Wait, that's, you know, that's that is really a odd. That's a... <sighs> what? Like, are, are, do we have any dads that listen to this show? Can you explain <laughs> this to me? Please, yeah. please do like, not explain this to me. Please do not come in my Instagram DMs. <laughs> trying to trying to and mansplain a, this and i have a question i have a question for the for my two co-hosts are the cis okay no we're not okay are the straights okay Daniel? i mean i don't have kids but I, so i can't say how much uh child's penis would or would not come up in casual conversation between parents <laughs> i don't know uh 
and I'm not going to ask anybody, any of my parental, <laughs> parentally uh, inclined friends. So I. This is something. There are there's one or two LTC members I could definitely reach out to about this, but I don't think either of them have sons. Uh, so, well, damn. Shit out of luck. It'll just have to remain a mystery. Because <laughs> I because would you maybe. be this invested in your kid's penis, Daniel? I honestly don't know. Like I said, I don't know how normal this is. I don't. I've never had kids. I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like I should have asked Jen, like as a medical professional, like how, I mean, granted ER is a little different than OB, but like, you know, right. how, how casual and normal of a conversation is the circumcision debate amongst new parents? I don't know, but uh, yeah, couldn't tell you. Or maybe, maybe we just don't permanently alter kids' genitals. There so was, I kid you not when I was going, decisions about when it. I was going and doing the cast uh or yeah the cast notes for this episode i kid you not one of the reviews on imdb rated this episode like one out of ten because how because he was so upset that the writers did not make it clearer that circumcision was genital mutilation and that it was like a you know bigger deal but i think that's something that like okay here's a great chance to talk about like 2021 lens versus you know 1997 is where we're at now yeah over the past you know 30 years 25 years whatever it's become much more of a topic of discussion yeah whether or not like you know with the child not having agency to consent how much of this is straight up mutilation versus just oh it's a cultural quirk it's true so yeah that's i think that's something where i think it gets um it's still not a super popular stance against circumcision but i think it's one that's definitely gained traction since this episode aired Mm -hmm. yeah so that might be part of it can't put me in the camp of against (laughs) i think we've already marked you down on the list i think we got you i know i know firm check mark in that column yeah (laughs) so we go from there to our uh 27 still 27 year old woman who had a stroke christy uh as we're, she's not 28. She's 27. She's been she's I been 27 the be whole a... time, but there's gonna be a there's gonna be an age change. <laughs> there's gonna be a gap. There's gonna be an age change here a little bit later. Um, so she's that where her condition is deteriorating here. So as her cranial swelling increases, she may not be able to breathe on her own. Um, she as Carter is trying to kind of gently break this to the husband and you know talk to him about the organ donation and stuff like that christy actually starts to wake up leaving carter astounded and so carter goes off to get mark mark is also in shock reevaluates her films and uh, his first reaction though is to be like did you show me the right chart or did you show me the right films like he assumes it's carter's fuck up um but reevaluates her films kind of does a physical check on her um and he takes a look uh, again at the films and says that they need to get her to an MRI immediately in case it was a leaked aneurysm that could blow. So this is gonna this is gonna lead us the rest of the way here with young Christy. Uh, and after that, we uh, go back to Jeannie and Al. They're gonna have a little com- they're gonna have a little talk about the nature of Al's illness and how it relates to this work accident. Brought some clothes for you to wear home. Thanks. Does Bill know you're HIV positive? No. Well, I, th- I think you better tell him. My blood didn't get mixed with his. I mean, you saw for yourself he doesn't have a cut on it. He's got some skin abrasions. Look, Jeannie, uh, these are working, guys, okay? 
it, it's not like around here. That gets out, I'll be out of a job. It was rough telling people here, but I did it. He should be tested. He should be put on the triple cocktail until his test results come back. Or a few scratches. Yeah. Obligatory fuck Al Boulay. But, but, this does uh, illustrate kind of the inherent class differences when it comes to, like, he, he brings up a good point here of, like, how, what his experience with living with this disease, how it differs from Jeannie's. Because, yes, it's been right. extremely difficult for Jeannie, but she's also working in a medical field with highly educated coworkers and gener- a generally kind of more progressive attitude towards disease and, and all this stuff in general. And then Al is on the other side of this in uh, the blue collar world where it is, you know, like he said, it, it's a, that's a world ender for him. Like if that got out, like that's, that's going to change his whole way of life. And you really see, you know, kind of from about this point on the distinct kind of like branching of the pathways between Jeannie and Al of their shared life experience where Jeannie's life is going to go down one very specific path that is still ultimately very tragic and, and very, um, you know, troubled, but Al's going to go down a much darker much more perilous pathway that is not going to end well for him spoilers you know so it's like it it, he's still a piece of shit kind of but i mean it's like i can't help but feel for him in this circumstance then we have jerry oh boy sweet sweet baby jerry god damn it jerry playing with the guns that ed and his wife brought in and one of them is a grenade launcher, which he is holding. And it, I, I want to note that um, the wife mentions that, oh, it's illegal to sell usable ordnance. But if you buy a kit for $75, you can reactivate most of the weapons they're selling. But she says it's totally safe to be pointing around because it's not live. Um, God and damn then Jerry. <laughs> Jerry totally fires a grenade launcher into their truck, which was full of ammo, explodes... Bullets are firing everywhere from the truck. Fires bullets all over the ambulance bay. And I love how she just responds, Damn, I guess Ed used a kid on that one. It's amazing. It's I was laughing my goddamn ass off at this scene. It was just... I completely forgot it happened. And Same. so when that went off, I I lost it. It's it's very uh Roadrunner Wiley Coyote, like very Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. And good God, what was the special effects budget on this episode? Like, <laughs> I know. I was like, this entire budget of this episode had to have gone to Ooh. that it, that that beautiful explosion it's and all of the incredible and all of the camera and all of the the high frame rate camera work. Right? That, they go to a they go to some a, kind of special camera when the the grenade the, the yeah. projectile actually goes through the window which it takes a very curious path to actually get to that truck i think it would have had to have gone around at least one gradual corner in order to hit that truck but yeah wow this is uh this is the highlight of the episode for me like this is this is the <laughs> moment of the episode for me because the rest of it is all and just... getting all the the glass to shatter too in the in the right sequence was yeah it was just beautifully done shout out to the fucking props department the whatever else department the explosive department. Ah, <laughs> uh, god damn it! Uh, so that goes to a commercial break, and we come back from that commercial break. Uh, Jerry's being interviewed by the police. 
just like I swear to God, it was a goddamn accident. And they're they're <laughs> like, are you a part of any organizations or affiliations that like could be dangerous or something like that? He's like, nope, I was just messing with it. Yeah, it's a total accident. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, poor poor Jerry. <laughs> you shouldn't have been playing with guns, but also that gun should have never been in the ER in the first you place. You also always treat any weapon as if it is live and loaded. Right. Yeah. Do not point it. He pointed it at... I've never... He pointed it at Cynthia's face, like, directly. Yeah. I... Yeah. I've never freaking held a weapon in, like, a gun in my life, and I even know that. I... Like, yeah. isn't that 101 gun sa- weapon yep. safety? Yeah. Even like, if it's don't... not loaded, don't put your... Keep your goddamn finger on there, the trigger. No, there could always still be um, ammo in the chamber. Yeah. It's... God damn it, Jerry. Don't do it. Uh, but the woman's uh, say, but Ed's wife is being uh, arrested and taken away, and I'm basically at sure, sure at this point she would, were this episode made in 2021, she'd be yelling about um, something about the deep state and being a sovereign citizen, and <laughs> some she and am she, I being detained? <laughs> she would have been in uh, Washington early January, maybe Ooh. on or abouts thereabouts. Yeah, thereabouts, I could see it maybe. Um, but then Mark is examining Cynthia for, I always say this one wrong, tinnitus? I always say tinnitus. I always say tinnitus, says, but I always Mark hear it pronounced tinnitus. the other way. Yeah. I think tinnitus is the correct way to say it, but I'm going to say tinnitus because that feels better. Um, checking her for tinnitus and ear damage, and they're just really awkwardly close to each other and super awkward together, and she just says, um... She makes a comment about, oh, you know, I'm just, uh, thanks to you, I'm not just getting by on a smile and a shoestring, which she's quoting Death of a Salesman. But yeah, so Cynthia just continues to be the hottest mess, but not quite as much of a mess as I am. <laughs> oh, speaking of things being a mess, have you ever wanted to hear Anspa do a really bad British accent? Nope. Because I have, and we have the audio of it. Aye. Oh, great. So, do we have exposure? We've mobilized the proximal segment, and we've got a clean edge. Uh, so this is the weapons merchant who cost us an ambulance? And lucky it won't cost him a leg. <clears throat> Dr. Corday will assist in the anastomosis of the popliteal. Five of proline on a C1 needle. Uh, we normally use six of well, Five always fine. What is your preference on procedure, Miss Corday? I've had good results with the triangulation technique of Corel. Ah, favored among the British. I had the pleasure of working with the British surgeons on the joint NATO exercise in 1974. Tell me, do you know Sir Lyle Sugden? Oh, Suggy. Yes. Perhaps you don't know. He's dead. Oh. Great loss. No, rather a relief, actually. Towards the end, he got a bit shaky for slash and dash. Slash and dash? Oh, I love those British terms. Dr. Benden, suppose Miss Corday asked you for a, a torch. What would you give her? Actually, I've taken to saying flashlight. Once in the field hospital, mid-Thor Academy, we had a power failure. Sir Lyle yelled, a torch, a torch. I thought he'd snapped. He's going to burn the OR. <laughs> I say, maybe when we finish, we should all break for a cuppa. What oh? <laughs> what the fuck? You hear her sigh at the very end of that, and it's perfect. <laughs> what is this episode? I don't even know, man. <laughs> this episode's a fever dream. It's a weird-ass episode. It really is. Like, I'm thinking about the stuff that we've been talking about this week, about, like, you know, what's the stuff that we're going to talk about? What's the stuff that's going to be the most ridiculous? 
And the actual plot of this episode doesn't even come up as, like, important to me. Because it's about penises. Yes. (laughs) It's uh, such a... a But yeah, Anspaugh, what the hell? Everyone in that room is just like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Didn't know he had it in him. (sighs) Oh, boy. What happens next, Daniel? What happens next is we get our... uh, One of our patients from last episode returning to us, uh, Laura Quinton. She was the 18-year-old bulimic girl from last episode. She's back with an upper GI bleed. And as they're wheeling her into the trauma room, Doyle immediately asks why she wasn't admitted to psych on her previous visit and asks, I believe, Carol, uh, who was the attending Mm -hmm. and why are we picking up his slack? Yep. And uh, we go back over to Christy. She's decerebrating. Yeah, which I'm assuming means decompensating in some way. Um, With the head... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> she's in the MRI. I'm not. She's do- in the MRI machine, and she's not doing well, basically. Yeah, I don't know medical terms. I just talk about doctors on TV. <laughs> uh, but she needs immediate surgery, and her husband is uh, not happy about it because she was fine. She was talking and doing the the sort of shell shocked uh, survivor thing of like. No, this can't be. No, this can't be actually be real. Like, what's happened? I want, I want another doc. I want another doctor. I want, I want her transferred to another facility. You guys said she was, you guys said she was brain dead. You were gonna take her organs, and in this really claustrophobic camera work that I don't like and I never want to see again on this show, Mark is Mark and Carter are just chewing the husband out and just getting all up in his personal space to basically browbeat him into sign the consent form to save this woman's life and isn't there procedure to override stuff like this uh i feel like that comes up in another i feel like that comes up in another episode i think it's only i think it's only in the event of informed consent is not able to be like in the event of an accident you know in the event of an accident and like somebody comes in and there's nobody or they can't find anybody to give informed consent and it's a matter of life or death like this patient is going to die if we don't do it then they can give consent on their own and say okay we're doing this but if there's but if there's family yeah then it's their word but just let's never let's never do this camera angle again because it makes mark and carter look terrifying yep then we go over to corday complaining to benton about anspa giving her all the angliophile stuff and asking her all the silly questions <laughs> um she refers to it as pimping so like oh do the do the senior surgeons you know do they practice pimping with you guys just giving you a hard time? The way she says pimping is really cute. And um, Benton's like, you talk about your seniors over there like this? And she goes, yeah, I'm going to say whatever I want. And he goes, she's like, is that a problem? He's like, no, no, keep going. Not not a problem for me. I'm like, I like the two of them together. I really do. I think I think they have good chemistry. They were really, they're a really nice backup OTP to... Um, not maybe not necessarily OTP, but they're a really good backup chemistry pair. If she if she wouldn't have ended up with Mark, some some might argue. A I would have loved to have chemistry. S- some might say I I, I disagree. By <laughs> the um, by the end of this rewatch, I might be in Camp Corday Benton compared to Camp. We got to start coming up with some um, of these names. We're gonna get paired. Like people are gonna start getting paired off here very soon. We need to start coming up with more Boulentin type names. Borde. Borde. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably the best you're going to get out of that. Um, but then Malik, Halei, and Connie are all talking shit over Carrie's first day as administrator. 
and Doug still doesn't have his research for her. So Surprise. everybody's winning today. Everybody's shocked. Um, cause you know, the, the ambulance bay blew up. So of course, of course stuff fell apart a little bit. And then Doyle is working on a shitty anal abscess, no pun intended from a guy who was, who sat on a nail at a bar <laughs> And Carrie asks Doyle if um, she read her proposal, and clearly Doyle hasn't, but keeps, like, smiling and nodding as if she knows anything that Carrie's talking about. Carrie's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to need some somebody on my side. To, we're going to make some big changes around here, and it's really crucial that we have the right people, like, you know, stepping in line and stepping up. And Doyle's like, uh-huh, <laughs> can you hand me that, that, um, that cleansing fluid or whatever? And just... Very, very silly, dumb moment between the two of them and very well acted by both parties. Yeah, Kenton just doesn't really sound right. You're still just I'm, t- thinking about I'm, I'm already excited because I realized that once we get to Mark and Elizabeth, they'll be called Green Day. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's all I can think of. I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting to bring that up. I thought of that like last year. I thought of that at the, during the recap. But And I, and I know well, that's going gotta... to make Lauren very happy when we get there. Damn it. That's gonna that's gonna make me have to reconsider my position <laughs> based on the pairing alone, the name alone. Oh boy! All mm. right, so then we go from here. This is where we get our magical de aging for our patient. As Mark goes into one of the operating rooms to chase down a uh, Dr. Corelli to get uh, Christy uh, some emergency su- emergency surgery, and as he is presenting his case to Dr. Corelli, he mentions that the patient is a 25 year old female, so she has magically gone from 27 to 25 in just a few scenes. Uh, so we'll okay. we'll see. It's amazing what a brain blade will do. Yeah, for you. you know. We go from there, uh, we see uh, Corday and Doug working on a little boy with a hernia, and uh, she's asking Doug where she can play in Chicago, clearly kind of hitting on him and totally asks him out. Carol, it's important to note, Carol is assisting them on this, so she's at the end of the bed, and she's kind of watching the back and forth between uh, Doug and Elizabeth, which expertly played by the both of them. Like, the, the like, overt... Uh, advances on Elizabeth's part are really well done and the uh, complete total discomfort but also kind of falling back into old habits and wanting to flirt back thing that Doug is doing is I'm I'm very here for that like good dynamic between these two which curious do we see a lot of these two together period not really I was thinking that too like this is not a a pairing you really see very much of Corday and and Doug because obviously you know Doug's kind of on his way out we only have about a year left of Doug I would have I would have been here for that too. That would have been a fun one. It's like a one or like a a, a Mark and Chuni type of thing. Yeah, like one or two episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just ship Corday with everybody. She's perfect. <laughs> she fits with anything. Exactly. Yeah. Spread her wings and fly in Chicago. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you finished that <laughs> sentence. Um, but yeah, Carol is not happy about this and storms out of the room. Uh, speaking of people getting angry, uh, our next audio here for you. Al is doing the right thing. And uh, has a conversation with his coworker about his HIV status. Hey man, we are getting out of this place pretty quick. I think they're about through with us. How's that wrist? It's okay. Doctor called it a Kali's fracture. It's not so bad. Bill, uh, Jeannie's here because you've got to be tested. Well, tested for what? <clears throat> I'm HIV positive. Uh, HIV. You're not talking about having AIDS, right? Yeah, I am. When we landed together, I was bleeding pretty bad. I'm I'm sure my blood didn't get mixed where you were scratched up, but you should be tested just to be safe. So I could get AIDS. 
It's a very remote possibility. You got it? Oh, man. You out there working with us and you got AIDS? I gotta get by like everybody else. We know how to live with it. We know how to take precautions. Except now maybe I got infected. Jeannie, we'll take some blood. That way we can make sure you're okay. No. Not her. I want someone else. Hey, come on, man. We're talking about Jeannie. Not her. I'll get a nurse. And it's like the way he says it's Jeannie, it makes me think like that this guy like knows Jeannie. Or like that, you know, like, oh, it's, you know, it's my coworker's spouse. Like they have some familiarity. Yeah. Sounds like they've been friends for a while. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it's very clear, you know, like you were talking about the um the blue collar, white collar situation and just the way the guy reacts when he says, like, oh, you mean you have AIDS? Right. They're two very different. Yeah. Which, I, so that's another thing, too. Like, I, they, because they've kind of played a little bit. I, I'm, I, I want somebody to point it out to me, like a listener or some, something, because I don't, I don't, I think I missed it if it did happen. I think Al has full blown AIDS at this point. I don't think Al is just HIV positive, but I don't know that they've made a point of making that a like moment in the show where they're like, Oh, now, now he has AIDS because he said it a couple of times, but again, it's hard to tell if it's just that interchangeability of terminology where people who don't fully understand the difference, just say one or the other. Um, but it kind of, I mean, and certainly based on future events with Al, we know that he does at some point, you know, become full blown AIDS. So it's like, are we there yet or is it just that you know they just haven't made a big deal out i don't know the the cultural interchangeability yeah. but yeah doug chases carol down about corday and apologizes and is like hey it's not not what i want like i want you but i want to actually be with you um and then th we find out that they also got to the aneurysm just in time and christy is going to be okay then we see Carol at the uh, admit desk talking to Mark, uh, tells him about the bulimic girl coming back and how she needs to be admitted. And he kind of, he does sort of own up to it a little bit. Like I should have gone the extra mile and I should have, I should have uh, taken the extra step to get her admitted to psych. So he's, we get maybe a gl glimmer of maybe a little bit of progress with Mark, but you know, it's not, uh, he, he says something to the effect of like, well, we can't catch every one of them. We're not a clinic. And then hands uh, Hathaway the, chart back uh which i think is our very first whisper of what will eventually become the hathaway clinic uh if i remember correctly this this yeah. is going to start up in like just a few episodes like we're not that we're not that far off uh from that and that is a storyline that will basically carry on until carol leaves the show like that is with us pretty much the rest in of some her form time. Or yeah, in some form or another it sometimes is in less focus but uh it's pretty much a constant until she leaves so can't wait for doug to fuck it all oh, up douglas <sighs> That we uh, go right out of that, we uh, find out uh, Carol is told that Carrie is punching out all of the nurses, so she's sitting off in that weird little alcove that uh, we noted back in the uh, live episode. She's off to the side there, clocking out all the nurses, doing the old punch card clock out thing, which, did did either of you ever have a job where you had to do actual punch cards? I had, I've had swipe cards. Yeah, I've cards. had swipe cards, too, and, you, and most frequently I had, like, ADP, like, sign-in, like, things, like, we had to go in and clock in and clock out on a computer, but uh that's that's yeah. what i have right yeah, now never yeah i've only ever had i've only ever had like punch in your employee number and all or swipe your employee right. card yeah uh i feel like the cards would be so gratifying right yeah you punch out like it's it was I, 
or yeah. something no it was, it was a lovely swipe uh, em- emphatic swipe at the end of the day i was like i fuck hey, this fuck out. this place i am sure some of our older listeners are going to have some choice words for me especially <laughs> about having only clocked in on a computer and i love you and i'm sorry that i'm a baby <laughs> <laughs> and we also find out uh mark is uh calling up well, was it water polo was that her sport water polo yeah he calls up water polo lady uh and uh changes his mind says he, he wants to wants to go out to dinner with her uh after all so makes plans with her and doug is doug is overhearing listening to the conversation very happy to hear that mark's getting out a little bit and uh cherry is talking to carrie he has tw- jerry has 26 uh days or days accrued off which day hey, good for him nice it's nice to have nice to have that uh banked up Carrie implies that he should maybe just take some time off now. Just 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 go on a little take some time off. Now. There's there's two things I want to note here. One when Carrie brings this up he's like, "Yeah, I've never I've never taken a day off. Like I'm I'm always I'm here. I'm a good employee." Like he's cuz he's afraid he's in trouble in that regard. I mean, I would be afraid of getting fired yeah, if I blew up an for ambulance. Yeah. Sh- for sure. But then the other thing is um he just started training Cynthia today. Mm-hmm. Like, if Carrie's, like, go take time off, it's like, okay, theoretically, Randy can train her and stuff, but it's just, yeah. like, you're going to be short one because she still has to play catch-up. A trainee is not a full employee. <laughs> yeah, I guess at, the, I guess I at would... this point we are down to just Jerry and Randy. Like, that's the only... And, and as Cynthia. As far as our regulars, no, yeah. yeah. I would I would think that this is... that I kind of saw this as Carrie trying to save Jerry's job. Yes, under... and like that's getting him out of, the, like, the building while the heat dies down. Yes, and that's that's for sure what she's actually doing, but I'm just saying the logistics of it, because that's where my head's at lately. <laughs> Who's gonna train the new they person? Are... That's very much on brand for yeah. Lauren. That's gonna be gone by the end of the season. Oh, no. Oof, well before the end she's of the season. She's gonna go to New York. She's... she's... I don't know if she even, like, she's barely be... halfway. But this does also uh, bring us the first of many uh, Jerry hiatuses uh jerry oh. jerry oh. it's not a prolonged one he will go on much much longer ones where he will disappear for like a season or more but this one is a shorter one um i think i looked and i think jerry won't be back with us until like episode 16 or 17 of this season so we're, we're saying goodbye to jerry for a, for a brief period of time uh but he will be back but you can, but you folks at home can keep Jerry in your lives by subscribing to to us at patreon.com. Man, that is a patreon.com slash second the tone podcast where you'll get a uh, with your membership you'll get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk Jerry. That is a or an STT low level plug sticker. right there. That was. Mm. That's like when my podcasts go segue, segue, segue. Like I, just... cr- I cracked up too much for it to be truly a, good, a great one, but. An effort was made. That's true. Um, speaking of an effort being made, uh, let's go into our our last audio of the episode. Uh, Doyle's in the lounge checking on Carter, just seeing how he's doing. When uh, after and afterwards, uh, Doctor Delamico shows up. Did you ever find that student of yours? The lab said he went to the fish hatchery for salmon sperm. They got pretty backed up in sutures. You saying that's my fault? I'm saying that's why I signed you. Will Doctor Delamico be doing sutures anytime soon? What? I'm just wondering how long you're going to continue to give Dr. Delamico all the interesting cases while I get assigned to suture Siberia. What the hell are you talking about? I'm just asking if there isn't something about Dr. Delamico that you find especially appealing. Meaning? Oh, you know what I mean. 
That's great. That's great. <laughs> what? Ask him. By the way, Anna, I, I love your hair. Thanks. What's that about? Nothing. Oh, come on. It's the end of the day. I could use a laugh, too. It wasn't that funny. She has a weird sense of humor. Okay, so it's a private joke. Hey, congratulations on that, uh, that stroke lady. I heard it was a good save. Thanks. Thanks for giving it to me. Yeah, I was swamped. I'd like to return the favor. Don't, please. I hate feeling indebted. Wait, you know what? There is something that you could do. Sure. Uh, this morning, you said something about a cell phone being deductible. You know about taxes? I'm getting completely hammered. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could deduct a stethoscope, lab coat, books. Otoscope? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All equipment. Why don't we have dinner? We can talk about it. Uh, tonight's the laundromat. Ah, me too. Me too. We could do our laundry together. I'll do your tax plan. You know, laundry's deductible. Really? Okay. I'll, uh, get us some sandwiches. Great. Carter, you, you asshole, and then you sly dog. Yeah. We, we were talking about this in the group chat off mic as popular court co-host Jake Terrell is going through season four currently, and so he got to this episode, had big thoughts on it, but he got to this scene in particular and was like, what the fuck, Carter? Like, what is your deal going after Doyle like this? And I remarked, and it was, it, it was one of those mo- like aha moments for me where I realized, I was like, after the events of seasons one through three, where we got through Baby Carter and Proto Carter and all this, like, Carter basically stops being a dick to patients. Like, he becomes a much better doctor with his patients, but he basically then redirects being a dick onto everyone else, uh, especially women. Like, he's really kind of a shithead when it comes to his dealings with women, and he's very self-righteous and very, like... Uh, petty, and this is probably one of the well, first but, best examples of that. But yeah, Carter, what are you, what are, what are you doing though? Like, you cannot keep up the facade of being a poor. Nope. Everyone knows. Uh, Everyone but her knows. Um, Doug is waiting on the L platform for Carol. Hello, Chicago stop again. <laughs> um, she runs up and smooches him. She has forgiven him, and they are going to continue on but he really does he doesn't want to keep it a secret like he's really he doesn't explicitly say like we need to go public but you can tell that he's really he's feeling like getting a little antsy about not keeping it a secret cuz he wants to show that he's going to be a good boyfriend good boy, Doug. in public yeah and i i noticed here tell and you can tell me if i'm completely making this up but to me it could be cuz they were outdoors and the wind is blowing and stuff but to me it looked like clooney's hair was noticeably longer in this scene compared to the rest of the episode which made me wonder if uh this could have possibly been a reshoot something like that something that was shot after the fact cuz uh, it just seemed to be seemed to me like it looked different here than the rest of the episode i'm sure if you showed me like a side by side photo i'd definitely be like oh yeah totally but i i didn't pay enough attention to notice for this episode um, but then Mark is out for his fancy date, and I want to ask again, why did they bring this woman back? Why do we care? What is going on? Um, he mar- he remarks that, yeah, okay, yeah, he says he says I missed you. They dated for like two months tops. Yeah, even if, if we're being that's generous. very generous. I feel like they went on like three. I'm dates. saying if I'm I'm choosing to potentially be generous to give benefit of the doubt sure. for I missed you, and then I'll make it up to you. And I said I bet she's gone in another episode. Give it like eight more minutes and she's gone absolutely pointless 
Well, Carter's doing his best uh, I didn't grow up a rich boy impression. <laughs> Cosplaying as a poor. Uh, he's at the... Yeah, he's he's at the laundromat. He doesn't know how to doesn't know that a machine won't work without quarters. He tries to put in uh, nickels and dimes. I think is the is the joke there. And uh, his machine starts jumping all the way out from the wall because he over because he overloaded it. Come on, Carter, rookie move, rookie move. I mean, granted, he is a rookie though. It's true. So I would bet that this might be the first time he's ever done his own laundry. I think that's life. the implication. He tries to cover it like by saying like, well, every dryer I've ever used has, has been able to handle big loads like this. And it's like, I don't believe that you've ever done your own laundry ever. But then didn't he live with Gant for a stretch there? As yeah, well? and he had that he had that apartment on his own for a yeah, while. But I, yeah. we never saw with the, with the we weird, never saw a washer and dryer though. Right, with the weird borscht neighbor. <laughs> right, he's rich enough; he just buys new clothes. Well, there was that there was that one episode where he's walking down the hall after he got bled on or something, and just took his whole dress shirt and thing off and just threw it in the like dirties bin. Like he's clearly got a very I mean, cavalier attitude towards that. clothing. Doctor Delamico comes in and is like, "What the fuck are you doing, bro?" And puts their sandwiches down, and then. He, he takes out like half the clothes and puts the sandwiches on top of them or no he, he puts the clothes on top of the sandwiches and then accidentally throws in the sandwiches with this other load of clothes <sighs> i forget do they do these two actually date and actually end up dating because i know she's gone by the end of the season they yeah there's there's some stuff there yeah they okay i couldn't i couldn't remember i can barely remember her character yeah that, that was another thing like, we were talking about off mic how she she sort of gets lost in the shuffle this season and so does Doyle to a certain degree like they both kind of get lost in the shuffle and I honestly think that if you combine the two of them together you would make one very interesting character but individually they both don't have enough going for them to really stand out and so as a result you're just left with two kind of forgettable characters and that's why she doesn't last but uh oh boy okay did we forget it's the penis episode because there's one more, there's I one sure more didn't. instance uh, where we need to talk about how it's the penis episode. Uh, we cut over to a very awkward scene where Mark is sitting up in bed with what's her name, <laughs> not <laughs> whatever, not important enough to remember, uh, and he's having some performance issues. Uh, she, she, he is. Th- this whole scene is just like, Ugh. and this is where we're ending. Yeah. They're both so awkwardly sweaty. Yeah, too. It's very hot in that apartment for for or, apparently not being able to bone down. Like it's apparently or or efforts had been made and they finally. Just I guess gave up. it's I don't know. Foreplay is important. It's there, so. there's a lot of weird stuff and it's and it doesn't just revolve around uh, Mark's non-functional penis. Like she has a picture of herself on the wall because this is presumably her apartment that they're at, uh, and there's a picture of herself yeah. on the wall. Totally normal behavior. I have pictures of myself all over yeah, my totally. room. A huge picture. Yeah. Like a poster size. He tries to he tries to do the like, it's fine, you know, whatever thing. They have very awkward conversation. He's not even able to like awkwardly smoke his cigarette. So he tries to bail out. And he just, he continues to be shitty here. Like he makes her just feel really shitty as she's, uh, the whole thing just makes my skin crawl. Like this, this is a very strange it's, way to end a very strange episode. It's, it's how exactly to not handle this situation. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy, this this is a fucking weird one, gang. This is contender for the yep. weirdest episode of the show to date. Oh, we didn't even. I feel. I feel. 
Did I completely? Do we completely forget to talk about the best part of the Carla and Benton? I do think we. I do think Probably. we skipped the here? signature line of this I episode think that underscores the weirdness of it. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow the, it got missed. The yes. fact that Benton didn't want Reese to be circumcised because he wanted he wanted him to look like his dad. No, 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 no. That was not the line. Uh, no, 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 no. She says, and I quote. I'm not saying she, that. She says, yeah, and, okay. and I quote. Well, give the quote. Uh, you just want that boy to look like you in the shower. Okay, a uh, Hall of Fame level weird ass line there. Like that is uh like call Dr. Freud because and, we're going to need to unpack a lot of shit out of that line. And the fact that she so is like that I could understand. And, and like, the, the fact that yeah, she's Benton like, makes no defense against it. Benton is just like, "Well, yeah." Yeah. Huh? She's like, "You shut He's like, she's like, you shut me out with medical jargon, but if you had just told me, like, emotionally that you want that boy to look like you in the shower, that I can understand. Just, what? Somebody call somebody call CPS. Somebody get therapy for everyone involved in this conversation because what the fuck? Yeah. How did we... I don't know how we missed that, but yeah, like, that that is, like, the underscored... Yeah, I have no idea. That is the underscored all-time... Probably because we all just wanted to block it out. We all just wanted to pretend it didn't happen. It was a defense mechanism. We talked about it... Maybe we talked about it enough in the group chat I thought I had written Holy it down. Holy shit. Seriously, honest to God, someone leave us a comment about this, because I'm genuinely curious. Is this a conversation that... Is this... And is, and is it a conversation you're having in these terms? Like, is it a, because those yeah. the the bluntness of that language and the way like I could understand, like Lauren said, it's one of those cultural, you know, quote unquote cultural norms that is shifting as times change. Right. And I also because <clears throat> this is my life now and I was awake at 1130 <laughs> randomly on Tuesday night, I was just freaking on the circumcision Wikipedia article and I realized it's not nearly as common as I thought it was like in favor of or against is not as common as you thought it was like it's or, or it's not it it's doesn't happen far, as, in in the u.s at least like it's not as common as i thought it was um, and that just it was just like oh okay yeah i, I guess like, like if, if you I, are if you're a parent and you're listening like because this we're you know we're pretty upfront about the fact that we're, we're baffled we're three three childless uh individuals here who the, the likelihood of that changing anytime soon is pretty remote so we're nah. not really going to have this discussion. We're not really going to have this discussion amongst ourselves anytime soon, certainly. So, well, and I already, I already know what choice Lizzie would be making. Well, yeah, for our Lizzie, children, Lizzie so has made their thoughts incredibly clear over the last hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> but, sorry, sorry. But, it's okay. We but, love you. You know, I'm genuinely curious, like, to what degree did you discuss this, you know, when you're either when you were pregnant with your kids or shortly after they were born, like what, and, and to what degree did the, uh, consistency with your own equipment in the shower factor into that decision? <laughs> like <laughs> to what degree did you, did you have to make clear in the conversation? Like, I want him to look exactly like me in the shower. What you freak? Like just, well, but I, I do feel for Benton a little bit earlier on when they were discussing it at first with, with Tabish and he says, you know, I can teach him proper hygiene. Yeah. Like, this is not a medically necessi- medically necessary procedure. You know, he can... Because it deals with that whole myth of, like, oh, it's, cl- it's cleaner. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, if you wash your junk, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, like, there, there's a, there, there's saying, a very... Like, there, there, was a, there was a conversation to be had there. I just don't know that it was worth centering an entire episode around. No. And it could have been done 
better. Yeah. Because the way they do it here, it's such, I'm. this is getting into the actual, like, feedback on we're, the episode itself, anyway. and that's fine. We're yeah, here we're, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, so, like, here, the way they do it here, like, it was literally, we were talking about this episode all week is the circumcision episode. So many other good things happen in this episode, like, talking about Al with his coworker, yeah. talking about um, the beginning chemistry between Benton and Corday. Um, you know, blowing up the ambulance, <laughs> blowing up the ambulance, uh, Carol and Doug navigating this whole, like, okay, we're taking each other seriously. We need to take this seriously thing. Like there's so many other more important things that go on. And yet the way that this is highlighted and handled, we've, we called it the circumcision episode, all <laughs> but week. it's also the impotence like, episode, they they like could... which, which one and is it's, it? It's just the yeah. dick episode. They could have done it so much framed it so much better to where it wasn't all these little vignettes about poor Reese. It it could have just it could have been more. And it just tonally kind of takes away from any of the impact that could have come out of the other points in this episode. Yeah. I don't know I'm done. I, Sorry. No, 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 that's it's good. I, I don't I don't know how to fix this episode, I guess, is where I come down on it. I because don't. It, it is I think there is stuff in here to like. You know, the the whole Jerry thing is like you said, it's expertly shot. It's incredibly it's it manages to take something that is incredibly serious and make it very funny. Um, so I think that's good because it's Jerry. because it's Jerry, yeah. sure. But like, you know, and then factoring into the, all the Carrie stuff and you know Carrie's inevitable rise to power and stuff like that. There's little nuggets in here that too. I fucking there's the little Carrie. nuggets in here yeah. that are great. And I think you could have had this conversation about Reese. Like I think that could have been an element of this episode, but it should have been just that. It should have been an element. It should have been. W- a small piece of a very much larger puzzle. This is one, one scene is really all we needed to dedicate to this. We did not need to keep coming back to it and make a whole drama arc out of it. We shouldn't have returned to it five times. No, and, and certainly not tried to, to parallel it with the weird Mark thing at the end, which really does sort of come out of nowhere and add an extra layer of, um, just strangeness to this episode. Like it's, it's not something that's even been remotely hinted at before this episode and to compare it like to, to run it so directly parallel to the Reese storyline to then whip it on you at the end with Mark and just be like, Hey, by the way, also his dick doesn't work. Like what? Like why? Like your whiplash. Like it's just, I have to wonder though, like this is one of those things where it's like you talk about a Rorschach chest and what you see is like, what's going on with you because our listeners nobody commented about this when we were talking about listener feedback for the week it's true. nobody pointed out how weird the storyline was it's only the three of us yeah it's very true and jake oh, but also childless like there's but, you're talking about four childless yeah, people okay. who have never had opportunities to have these kind of conversations so clearly there must be some level of normalcy associated with that but it just felt like to me like there was a lot an undue amount of significance put on that storyline in this episode. It did not feel like it Again, was enough to carry like, the whole thing. I think, you know, as Benton being a new father, it would have, it's an important thing to touch on, but it just, there, there had to have been a way to do it better. Mm-hmm. Lizzie, what are your thoughts? I mean, y'all are basically summing up. Like I'm just over here, just like in the background, just going, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, a, so like I normally yeah, sounds, do. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's my turn. It's my turn to, just to be just like this. Give me a break from talking about dicks, please. <laughs> uh, Talk about some listener responses. Yeah, that's what we, we think about this. But what did you think about it, Lauren? Yeah, so we have so we, so we have some listener responses. Uh, Charles A. Uh, asked us, how did Jerry not go to prison or kill fair anyone? Question. Fair point. Yeah, a very, very fair question. Because it's Jerry. Yeah, exactly. 
Because they wouldn't have our sweet cinnamon roll baby hurt Un- anyone. Unofficial mascot of the show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Michelle K says, Ah, Jerry. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. The one thing I've learned from this episode, when dealing with anarchist gun nuts, always assume they used a kid on the gun that you're looking at. And I have to say, when we read that comment, before I watched the episode, I had no idea what she meant, and then I watched it, and I was like, okay, you used a kid. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Uh, Aaron B. chimed in with... Uh, the Alan Bill situation reminds me of just how stigmatized AIDS and HIV were in the 90s. I remember when Magic Johnson wanted to come back after the 1992 Olympics and you had rednecks like Carl Malone who didn't want to play with him because because of the whole, what if he bleeds on me? Obligatory fuck Carl Malone. Yeah. For a variety of reasons. Yeah. Not, not least, least not of which that he knocked up a 13-year-old. Yikes. Um, and this is this is just such a 180 to where we are now where it's like, no, We'll we'll all play sports with highly contagious aerosol. Um, yeah, respiratory illnesses going around, no problem. We're but, gonna start the Olympic torch relay next month. But something with like blood and bodily fluids that's you know generally stays in your body. I don't want I don't want to play with that person. Oh boy! But so, overall, seven out of ten. It's a solid C. It's a, it's a solid D for me for this like, one. It, yeah. it was entertaining enough that I'm going to give it a seven because I had fun with it. It was weird, but I had fun with it. So I'm going to give it the seven. Right. Yeah. It's very weird. It's very fever dreamy. It's very like I would sort of I would almost encourage people to go watch it just kind of isolated, like in a vacuum. Like it it doesn't do a t- I mean, it does. It does do something. That's not entirely true. It does. It does do some things that matter narratively. Um, but it is just so very strange. It is, I think the strangest episode we have had thus far. And I can't put my finger on exactly what makes it so incredibly strange beyond just the abundance of penis. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) like, it's, I don't know. It's really bizarre. So yeah, I mean, I I think what Lauren said as far as rating goes is probably fair. um, Cause it's, there's some good stuff in there. You just got to really dig through And it's one you just need to kind of experience just, (laughs) <laughs> drink it in man drink it in all right well that's about gonna wrap up our episode for today though uh, thank you all very much for listening about our penis talk uh the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash setting the tone podcast for only a dollar a month you can get access to our show notes each week for only five dollars a month you can get access to the full season recap episodes a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk jerry and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews also once our stretch goals are met you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called the lounge where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment, as well as monthly movie reviews, where we watch a movie featuring an ER cast member and pick it apart. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SayingTheTonePodcast. And we are at SayingTheTonePodcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music, as always, is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lobob92345, lots of dumb pictures of cats. Wouldn't have you any other way. That's right. You can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer, that's J-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of Pokemon Shield. New episodes of that, of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Bye.